0: You're listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now let's listen in. What What is the one major thing that separates Christianity from all the other religions in the world? Just think about it a minute. Don't don't blurt out the answer. <laughs> I know you're dying to blurt out the answer. What what it, what's the major what's the major thing that that separates Christianity, followers of Christ, from all the other religions in the world? And it could be, there's probably several answers. I mean, obviously, is you know Jesus and love and. The major thing that separates Christianity from all the other religions that you can think of is every other religion, you have to work your way to God. In Christianity, God worked his way to us. He came to us. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas, right? God came to us. God took on human Form Jesus came, took on a body, took on, became a man. He was what we don't understand. What's hard to grasp is he was one hundred percent man at the same time he was one hundred percent God. And I, I know that's hard to fathom, but that's that's the reality of what happened. So Jesus, God, the Son of God, came, took on mankind, became a man, so he could come for the sole purpose of dying. That's why he came. He came to die. Now, all of us die. It's like sooner or later, some of us will make it to heaven without dying when Jesus comes back. But basically, everybody from this point back has died other than Jesus. He died, but he what? He rose from the dead. So Jesus came to sacrifice. He came He, he came to give his life for us. So the so bottom line is every... Every other religion you can... do not It doesn't matter what it is. Every other religion you can think of... Even the, even the Pharisees, even, even the Jewish people, the leaders of Jesus' day, even they had this religion about them, this thought process that said they had to work their way. They had to keep these laws. They had to do this, 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 and this in order to basically appease an angry God. And in Christianity... God just turns that around. Jesus totally turns that around, and he becomes he comes and he takes on flesh and it's it is God I mean think about this it's God coming as a baby <laughs> that's christmas that's what we're going to celebrate in six days christmas that's 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 it's as it's, it's, it's fun as it is to party. I, I mean, I love to party. I love to eat. I love to hang out. I love to do all those things. As fun as it is to do all those things and to celebrate. And fun to give gifts and bless people. All that's obviously fun. But the, the, the main the purpose, the reason that we have this holiday called Christmas is because God came as a baby and took on flesh. I mean... We could, you, you understand you could just literally meditate on that, and think about that the rest of your life. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's love. That's, that's the reckless love of God. That's, that's, that's love that it's just hard for us to fathom. It's, it's his pouring out his love and, and coming and taking on flesh. That's why we celebrate. That's why we celebrate this day called Christmas. And so, why did he come? I mean, the main reason, obviously, is love. John three sixteen. Every, I think everybody knows what John three sixteen is. I love it. Only sports shows you somebody's always got a little placard up that says John three sixteen. We know the verse, but most people don't really know the verse. Does that make sense? We we got it memorized, but we don't really. Most people don't really understand what that means. That God so loved the world, loved. That's why he came. He loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Love is why we celebrate Christmas. And I want us us to remind, I hope you guys have been reading Luke. I've been reading a chapter every day. I hope you all have. And you're going to wind up in five days? (laughs) You should have read chapter 19 this morning or today at some point. And we're going to wind up, and, and Dr. Luke just so lays out to us this, this life of Jesus and how he came and all the miracles that he did. But I want to, I want to do this tonight. We're going to read. I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to be short tonight. Y'all heard that before, hadn't you? But I am. I'm going to be quick. I promise. In fact is, we're going to take communion out there together. So when you're fixing your plate, everybody's going to fix their plate, but don't start eating until we've all got our plate. Be sure you get your little piece of bread. And something to drink, and we're going to take communion together as we eat together. So we'll be, we'll be doing that in a little bit. Turn with me and find the Bible, find your phone, turn to John chapter 1. I want us to look at what, the way John describes the birth of Jesus. John chapter 1. Everybody there? In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him, verse 4, in Him was life. In Him was life. And that life was the light for all mankind. That light shines in the darkness. And the dark, look what it says in the darkness has what? Everybody say, has not overcome it. The darkness, listen to this. The darkness has not overcome the light. How many of you understand that we live in an age right now, in, in, this, in this age that we live in, and this is, in the, in what's happening in our world around us, that, that many people, and I, my concern is many Christians, are falling into this trap of believing that somehow darkness is overcoming Is that right? I mean, that's kind of the, that's kind and I, I, listen, it's not just, it's not just lost people without you, it's many, many Christians just it, have this kind of, if, if they're not voicing it, they at least kind of have this thought of somehow or another, evil's going to take over and overcome the world, and at the last minute, we're going to get resurrected, and Jesus is going to come in and take us all out. Darkness has not overcome it. He doesn't... Light always overcomes dark. Even in the physical realm, you can't turn on darkness. (laughs) Can you? You can't go over to the light switch and turn darkness on. The only way you get darkness is turn off the light. You turn on the light, darkness, darkness will always... Listen to me. Always, darkness will flee from light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then darkness will not overcome us. I that should be pretty good news. <laughs> there was a man sent from God. His name was John. <laughs> I love how John writes this. I love the book of John. He talks about himself, the one that God loved. You know, like he loved him more than anybody else. I just love his, his, his license to write the way he did. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is John writing about John the Baptist. Totally different John. He came as witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. In other words, John the Baptist was not the light. He came as a witness to the light. The true light, that, look what it says. The true light that gives light So everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Yet, this is a big yet, this could be one of those buts in scripture. Yet, (laughs) to all who did receive him, recognize him, to them that received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right or the authority to become what? Children of God. That's us, those that believe in Jesus. Everybody from, from, from then to now, everybody that's called on the name of the Lord, that's trusted in Jesus, that has received him as their Lord in their lives, they have become children of God. You're now, see, again, we just, I don't know how to make us grasp this, but some things we just say so many times, they just become old to us. How many times as a Christian have you heard somebody told you you're a child of God? Like a zillion, a bunch. <laughs> They're raising their hand. Yet, I don't think we still grasp all that that means. You're, we, <laughs> we're a child of God. A child of God. There's a lot of things that, that just kind of, kind of tie it in. This is a poor um, example of this, but tie it into like a child of the king. We don't have a king here, but just imagine if you were a child of the king in wherever, country. That child gets certain things and has certain rights and, and does certain things that nobody else gets to do because he's a child of that king. We're a child of god just just the mere fact i mean just if we would if we would just grasp that and meditate on that and begin to think about what all does that mean in my life that i'm a i'm i'm god's child he's my dad he's my daddy's what the scripture says I belong to him he 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 that means so much. I mean, even as an earthly dad, a good earthly dad, obviously there's some bad ones, but a good, a good earthly dad shows to some degree what our heavenly dad does. I have three kids. I, I, would have, I would have laid my life down for those kids. Nobody would have come and done anything to those kids if I was around. I would do anything for them. I would I would lay my life down. I would give them whatever they needed. I provided for them. I took care of them. I protected them. I loved them. And that's just that's just such a small part of how much God loves us. It's just it's not even a I don't know if it even scratches the surface of his love for us of understanding that that that's who I am. I'm a child of God, I'm a child of the King. I I can when we'll look at when stuff looks like it's going bad, when stuff looks like it's going wrong, when things don't happen the way we think they ought to. If I can just remember, God's my dad. <laughs> Hello, he's dad. And what all that means, I'm telling you, we could spend we could spend at least the rest of our lives here trying to understand all that. I'm, not, I'm pretty sure we'll probably spend the rest of eternity trying to figure all that out. But Just begin to think in those things. We become the children of God. Children, it says in verse 13, "...children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God." We're, we're born of Him. Verse 14 says, "...the Word became flesh." This is Jesus. "...and He made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son." who came from the Father full of grace and truth. In Him, John says, in Him was life. And we become children of God. Galatians 4 says this. I'm going to just read these to you. Galatians 4, verse 4 says this. But when, he, when the set time had fully come, this is Paul talking to the Galatians, God sent His Son, born of a woman. This is Christmas. <laughs> God sent His Son, born of a woman, Born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Now we could spend months just talking about what all that means. But we've been adopted. He, we're, we're his son. With all, an adopted son has all the rights of a regular son. That's what we get as becoming adopted into sonship. Because you're his son, God sent his, the spirit of his son into, into our hearts. So the spirit... Of the Son abides in us, lives in us. And that Spirit calls out Abba, Father. Which is an intimate term like Daddy. Like you would call your dad, Daddy. Papa. My kids call me Pops. That's an intimate term. When they say Father, then there's something wrong. (laughs) It's Pops. (laughs) So... Look what it says. We can cry, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. You're no longer a slave, but God's child. This, 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 this is the story in Luke 15 where it talks about the prodigal son. This is the perfect picture of that of that of what we are. The, remember the younger son? He wanted his inheritance. In fact, he basically was saying, Dad, we, I want you to die. Give me my money. And he gave him his money. And he went off and he... He squandered it, threw it away, messed it up, wound up being a, a, basically a slave himself, poor, destitute, feeding the pigs. And he finally wakes up to himself, hey, I'm going to go back home to Dad. And I'm gonna tell. At least Dad takes care of his slaves better than I'm being treated here. I'm going to go back home to Daddy, and I'm going to repent to Dad. And I'm going to tell Dad, Dad, I messed up. Let me be one of your slaves. And the picture of this is is that we're no longer slaves but God's child. The son starts coming back and and the, the picture we see is his dad. It appears like he's continually looking and waiting for his son to come back. And when he sees the sun coming, he doesn't, he doesn't get out this list of rules and go running out to the sun and say, I'm glad you're back, kid, but you're not going to get anything from me. You you wanted to die. Here, you do this, do this, do this, take care of this, fix this, and earn your way back into my pleasure. Earn your way back into to where I'm gonna love you like a dad would love us son. You earn your way back and, and then you can get there. Is that what he did? No, he ran out to him and he, got, he told the slaves, he said, get out in the best robe and get out in the best ring. Get out in the sandals. My son is back. He's back. That's this picture here of God. We're no longer slaves, but we're sons. We have dad. And anytime you picture dad and you want to go down this thought of he's a mean, angry God, you just picture the prodigal dad who's there with his arms open wide waiting on his son to come home. You get that picture. That's who God is. And he demonstrates that on Christmas <laughs> by sending his son for us so we can have that kind of relationship with him. We're no longer slaves. We've been adopted. And since you were a child, God has made you also an heir. <laughs> God, I, see, I, I'm showing so much restraint, I could go on for hours on this. Y'all can say Amen. Romans 8, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. You getting the picture? Does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit who you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. And if we're look at this. And if we're children, well, this is going to be hard to just pass by. I'm going to show restraint. If we're children, then we are heirs. If we're heirs, then we're co-heirs or joint heirs with Jesus. Hello? You know what that means? Everything Jesus has what? Do we really believe that? I mean, seriously. Do we really believe that? If we believed that, we'd be some worshiping fools. I'm serious. Not only heirs, but joint heirs with Christ. If indeed, now here's the good part, <laughs> if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. Paul talked about sharing in, in Jesus' sufferings. I want to end with this. And I know I probably say this every Christmas, but I think it's something we need to know and think about and remember. What is the greatest gift that you've ever received? It's Jesus. Right? I mean, nothing else compares. I've been given some good gifts in my life, but nothing, nothing compares to the gift that I received in Jesus when I received him. And here's, here's what goes with that. That's the best gift we can give to somebody else. Amen? You want to give a good gift? Point somebody to Jesus. Show them who he is. You don't have to preach at them. You don't have to beat them over the head. Just show them what Jesus looks like. Show them who he is. Show them how much he loves them. Point them to God. Point them to a loving dad, not a mean, angry God, but one that loves them right where they're at. Fact is, according to the word we just read, Jesus already paid the price for their sins. <laughs> Amen. We just have to acknowledge that, and recognize it. You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org.